Hi everyone, it's Olga Zar, now Olga Zar from SEO Sly. Uh, welcome to SEO Podcast by SEO Sly. So today I have a very, very special guest. It's Miriam. Hi Miriam, how are you doing? Bonjour, I'm doing great and I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, I am so excited to have you here as well. So if there is someone in the audience who doesn't know you, which I don't think is the case, but if there is, can you briefly introduce yourself? You are oh, such a star. You have you are you have become so popular recently, like yeah. It, it's been it's been a wild ride and uh if you don't know me, don't feel bad. I'm excited to introduce myself. Um I'm Miriam. Um, I co-founded the agency Pagm and we specialize in SEO training. So this is something that we have in common with Olga. However, um, you can find me mainly between Europe and Canada. I used to be Canada-based and I'm moving back to the old world. Yeah, so where are you based now? Let's call it a digital nomad with a mortgage situation. So okay. I'm currently in Italy, but soon I'll be in Portugal and next step, maybe Austria, mm -hmm. we'll see. Oh, okay. That sounds fun. And can you tell me more about your experience? Where, where did you start with SEO? What year, like how did this path started for you? I think I'm going to set the mood by saying when I first got started, people used to copy paste and steal content from websites and still rank with the content. So that was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And I, this was my first, I, this comment is based on my first SEO job, but I got started with SEO um, way before this. So when I started building my first websites in late 90s, oh. I, I, yes, I, I, I was nine years old and I had an internet connection, Olga. What was yeah. I going to do? Obviously, yeah, create a I, was, I think I was maybe not, maybe nine as well. I don't remember, but yeah, but I created my first site in, I think, 2000. So, yeah. Yes. And remember the tables? Like I had to deal with tables. Yes. Yes. Those were the times. Yeah. So what sites were you creating at the beginning? I, I was creating a website because obviously, as a nine-year-old, I was the ultimate expert on South Park, the cartoon, and I uh -huh. had to let everyone know about South Park, obviously. So yes, I decided to create a website and I was very unhappy because I couldn't find it on the first search engines that were out there because Google was not always out there. Huh? And I couldn't find things because back in those days, if you were a child on the internet, you could type anything in the search bar and the results would always be porn. All of them. It doesn't yeah, matter if I it remember. was washing machine. Yes. Yes. So I was looking at this going, but this is wrong. This is so wrong. I want my website. Like I wasn't even bothered by the naked ladies. I was like, I want my website on there. Why isn't it there? And yeah. then I realized it was a job. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, okay. And how this, I, how this, how did this site like evolve? Oh, it devolved. It didn't oh. evolve. It devolved. Okay. Like it, it just. I, I tried more and more things that were interesting in terms of web stuff, but my South Park content was just not up to snuff. I was just having fun sure. with it. So, yeah. very, very quickly, I realized that this is a genuine job. So I'm going to school for a diploma. 
where I'm going to have a hard time finding a job. And here is this thing that I do well that people are willing to pay me for. Oh, very so you very quickly choice. connected the dots. Back when I was young, the unemployment rate for young people in France, because I'm originally from France, was 25%. Meaning that if you had dinner with three other friends, the four of you, there would be one who wouldn't have a job, even with high diplomas. So obviously, SEO was the right way to go. Like it was mm. non-negotiable for me. That's nice. But it's, it's, it's very like that you were able to realize that back then. I realized that only, I think, in 2010, around that time. Even though I was building sites, I even remember the times of Alta Vista. But yeah, it was like only until this time when I thought, oh, maybe this is something that I can actually be doing for life or at least try doing that. <laughs> well, it, it was a different time as well. I didn't want to code. I didn't want to build websites. Uh -huh. I didn't want to get paid for this. I, I came from a content background, which is very unusual because if we're talking together is that we exchange a bit on technical SEO and I'm in Quebec, Canada, I'm known as a technical SEO. So that's a very interesting thing for me. Um, I went from content and promotion to technical stuff because everybody could copy paste my content. So no matter how good it was, people were going to take it. And my bosses didn't see the point of paying someone like me because they didn't even understand. Yes, you do need the keywords in there. Like I worked way back in the day with um, the Virgin Megastores. And I remember writing certain things to help them get started. And they removed every single keyword from my copy, every single oh. one. And I had to tell them politely, every single word that I put in bold, you're not allowed to remove. You can touch everything else, but you don't touch those words. And I wasn't considered to be very nice. And I decided I didn't want to be very nice to clients who removed all my hard work. So I decided to start fixing other problems. And it was easy. I mean, I had built websites. Yeah. Technical, edit, technical SEO it is then. Like, let's go. It's not that hard for me. And that's how I pivoted. Okay, so you were like uh, all your, for all these years, you were like a freelancer or did you have like an agency job, an in-house job or just freelancing? The answer is yes to all three. So okay. let me explain how. Um, I worked in agencies. So this was very interesting and I worked in different types of agencies as well. And then I moved on to development centers that had agencies, but I was usually seated with developers working on this because mm -hmm. you have maybe one UX, one designer um, department, you have the QA department, but the rest, while the client is giving the content, the client is designing you know, all the assets mm -hmm. except the website. So we are a technical shop. We are a development center. We like to pretend we are an agency, but we're not. And so I evolved in many, many technical um, um, work environments. And then I decided, well, this is nice, but um, time for me to get started on promotion. They're never going to promote me. So that's something we have to talk about. Because if you get really, really good at your job as an SEO, you don't necessarily get promoted to something. Because in many companies, there's 
no lead SEO, there's no chief SEO. You happen to be very often the only one. And if there is more than one SEO, usually like in those days, it was tied to a boss that was handling analytics and other things. And you just all are part of the team. Now things are changing quite a bit. But back then I went, okay, I'm never going to have a promotion. I ask you to manage people and you keep telling me that I'm too good at my job and that you can't replace me easily. So I'm going to replace myself and force you to make a choice. I'm moving on to another job. So I went in-house and I operated mm -hmm. in-house for a few different types of companies. So I worked in the financial sector, like with suits. If you came to the job with black jeans, they would tell you, oh, is it your day off? Are you visiting colleagues? And you're like, no. Oh. Yes, you were not allowed to wear jeans at all. Like you had to pay for the privilege to wear them on Fridays. Oh. Um, very, very corporate. And these people didn't necessarily understand SEO, but they paid a lot of SEO agencies to do things. So I had to work in-house, but also with agencies for whom I was a client. So that was very strange for them because a lot of agencies are not used to having someone who has deep knowledge of what they do and who's able to go, this ain't right. Please do it again. I know why. Let me explain. So this was interesting. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the financial sector is not for me. <laughs> so I moved on in-house to leading teams that were handling more cloud computing and hosting. So this was super fun because it's, mm. it's everything you want as an SEO, as a technical SEO. You're like, mm, the server problems, I shall not have them now. <laughs> Surprise. I still had them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and, and after that? I have a funny story. I ended up an accidental freelancer. This was never my plan. Mm -hmm. I was a director of marketing in, um, back in Europe, a big startup came to poach me. And um, it was not necessarily a fit for me. It was a very interesting company in the sense that, um, their hiring practices were conceptual and not people were not happy and I wasn't happy. So I moved on and I didn't have a plan. I'm the woman with a plan. So this time I just said, okay, I'm on my couch. What do I do? And a friend of mine called me and I was like, I'm on my couch. What do I do? And he's like, oh, what I am hearing is that you are officially a consultant and you work for yourself. And I'm like, I do. He's like, absolutely, you do. And he ended up being my first client. Okay. And this is relevant, Olga. You'll see why. Um, the first person I started working with as a freelancer for whose team I, I operated was um, Martin Split in his old life. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's a nice story. Yeah. So what year was it? Oh, uh, I think it was like 2016 when I got mm -hmm. started freelancing. So it's been quite a few years, like it's been yeah. six years. And I thought I would do this temporarily until I found the perfect job for me. Turns uh -huh. out it was the perfect job for me. <laughs> yeah, I have like the, the exactly the same like uh, feelings. Yeah, I was I, so I also had a, had some a few different jobs, but only after I, I managed to become a totally free freelancer can I say that this is my, my perfect job. <laughs> yes. And 
it's not always perfect. There's always some stuff that nobody yeah. tells you about it being a freelancer. But I mean, I'm talking to you from Italy and I know you're talking to me from your brand new beautiful house. So <laughs> things are working well. Yeah, it's kind of okay. I'm I'm quite happy. And your uh your company, when was it like founded? Because you run your company with your husband, am I correct? Yes. So this is also something we have in common together. And yeah. um, it's it's really nice because it's rather unusual, but it works. So um, just like you, we are a husband and wife team. We operate um, together under the same company name. So a few years ago, I think it was 2018, maybe, or 2018. Um, no, mm, probably around there. Okay. Um, my husband saw that I was very stressed out in his agency. He was in a big e-commerce agency. He was super stressed out. So I tried to figure out why I was stressed out. I knew why he was. He was overworked. Too many clients, too many deadlines. We knew this. But for me, it turned out that I had enough work for two people. That's what we realized. That's why I was stressed. Uh -huh. So we decided. I looked at him and I went, the solution for me is for you to join because you know how I work. You can work independently. I don't have to train you. I don't have to explain anything. You are ready as well. Let's go. So we decided to create our company. And um, Pragma stands for Pragmatic because our name got rejected by the, the Quebec office. In Quebec, you must use a word for your company that is either a made-up word or oh. a French word. You can't have an English word. And we wanted to be called something else. So we had seven minutes to come up with a name. And we decided to cut pragmatic in two. And it was the worst decision I ever made because oh. nobody can pronounce it. Nobody knows why we're named this. It's it's funny now. Like, I love it because I'm like, like for pragmatic, it's just, it's shorter. That's it. It's obvious. So. Yeah, so it looks like your story is very, very similar to mine, like really. So yeah. when did your partner join you? So he he started helping me around uh, two years ago, I think. And like he has been like helping me like almost full time for, I would say, half a year. I think my pigeon is going to come here in just a second. Yes. I'm excited. Yeah. Looks like he's going to come. I forgot about him. If he misbehaves, I will get rid of him in just a second. I'm a fan of the pigeon. I love Gérard. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, did I want to ask you? So what's, so what's the main thing you do in your, in your SEO, in your agency, in your company? So this is SEO training or what else do you do? So... It, um, it's very interesting because we operate independently, Augusta and I. Uh, we have some common clients that we will do audits for, that we will do strategies for or, you know, guide them. So not only do we come in for training, but we can also do the work alongside the team to get them started. However, he, and this is something I have to talk about because when you train people, you know, you show the best, but... SEO sometimes can feel a bit repetitive after so many years of doing it. I've been doing this for 15 years. So yeah. he's been doing it for a while. And he told me, listen, 
I don't want to do keyword research anymore. I just want to go into analytics a little bit. Like, let me go. I'm like, I'm letting you go. Like, have fun. I want to get back into the technical end of things. So that's why I got started with more and more um, audits on the side beyond training. So I can always put my hands in it. So we have fun. Like, we, we get to guide people like this. But we also have a core. Like, 70% of what we do 70 to 80% really is training. So there's quite a few agencies that, you know, if you're in Canada or if you're in some parts of the Benelux, you've probably heard of them. I train them. And I'm a white label type of person. So I'm not going to put the agency name out there. I'm not going to say what I did. Like my end game is to help mm -hmm. level up teams. And here's why it works. We know that in agencies, you will last a year to a year and a half on average if you are an SEO. So this means that agencies have a tendency to have a high turnover rate and they don't always have the luxury of, you know, hiring people who are at least proficient. So three to five years of experience and can handle things. Very often they will end up with a lot of juniors and a lot of work for them to do. And the juniors are not organized. Mm -hmm. they, are, they have some gaps in their knowledge. So I've had the privilege of training certain teams over and over again, because those agencies trust me to always bring the latest things that they should know. So mm -hmm. yes, you, you recycle the training. Oh, Gerard is here. I will so, have to just get rid of him in just a second. He, 70 to 80% of what I do is training folks to you know do seo so what's interesting about this is that it leaves me enough time to also offer different services where i can do the audits to help you out i can help you get started i can train your team and do the audits and make sure they get implemented so it's really nice to finally be able to lead folks to success why because in agencies very often you get hired to do the redesign you get hired to yeah. do this one campaign you don't necessarily help the people inside make sure that your work continues to grow, continues to pay dividends because it's maintained. So I get to do this and I love it. And, you know, I get to train agencies as well. So there are some agencies in some parts of the world. Um, you may know them, but you don't know that I have trained them. And some of them, I trained them multiple times. Oh. The reason is, well, you, you've been in agencies too, right? Yeah. So you know that folks come and go quite often. Like yeah, a yeah. very, very often, especially in the one I worked, it was like changing almost every day because there were if like a ton of SEOs. Yeah. If, if it's changing almost every day, um, it, I, I will just say this. Uh, it may also be a high stress environment you may not want to remain in for very long. I'm just going to put that out there because there's a reason folks leave fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People so, come, and, come and go, yeah. Yes, because it's a fluid industry. You can level up so fast and learn so many things within, you know, a few months that, of course, other companies want to hire you. So what do these agencies do? Well, some of them, they just trust me every year to come back and train their teams because they know that they will have a batch of new juniors and they may not have people inside that are available. That doesn't mean these people don't exist. It means that, you know, the team lead is probably either on a big project or, you know, handling so many things that they cannot take time to have non-billable hours training the team internally. And these agencies, they do get a bit of a tax break paying for training as well. So this is, this is a perfect setup for me. This is how I operate. 
Yeah, at some point I was this kind of an SEO trainer at the agency because I was practically the only person working remotely. I was like working a little bit differently than other people. And at some point I was this person who is like checking what's going on, checking the latest tools. And once a month, once a week, I was like doing this SEO training for new people, for old people. So I kind of kind of know how it is. But do you also do like one-to-one like mentorships yes or is it so, like mostly agencies or no 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 no. so i have currently um a, a one-on-one mentorship that i have with a long-standing client of mine and um basically she became director of marketing she has a team under oh. her and we continue to exchange on the strategies and it's really nice because i get a higher view beyond seo beyond you know what's going on there and we make sure that for example I trained their PPC specialist as well. So oh. we make sure that there's a synergy between SEO and PPC for this. So, yes, I know it feels so nice, right? You, you you get to see like these things work in concert instead of fighting against each other. And it's, it's awesome. And it's also very interesting because you get to talk about things that you have experienced a little bit in an agency, but that you don't necessarily always experience at your level, depending on where you are in-house that you have to create budgets and you have to fight for these budgets and it's complicated when you need to cut something and very often seo gets cut quite a bit because yeah. with ppc you see how much you put in you see how much you get out with seo you don't know your pain until you stop doing it yeah so, exactly so it's it's been interesting and i've learned um a lot about communicating these elements in a variety of environments so b2b high tech you know like b2b construction for example or e-commerce and it's it's kind of awesome yeah cool and do you also do for example affiliate marketing so affiliate marketing is something that i don't like to get into and there's two reasons for that tell me number one there's a cultural reason like um french folks don't tend to like affiliates it's uh-huh. it's it's not seen well. So I even worked with okay. French companies being asked, do you have an affiliate program? And they're like, it's really not us. Can we not do that? If you like the product, recommend it. But if you if you want to recommend it just because there's an affiliate, we don't want that. And it's something that it was very difficult for me moving to North America. I would recommend agencies to some of my clients and the agencies would send me a check when the contract was signed. And I'm like, what is this? And they're like, oh, we we have like a pay structure. And I'm like, I I don't feel comfortable. And then I had people going, I'm going to bring you a lot of work. So can I have like a cut on what you make? And I'm like, Uh yo, I make money on my own. I don't need you. Like, get in line with everyone that wants to work with me. I don't need an affiliate. I'm good. So you, you see that mentality? That's why affiliate doesn't necessarily speak to me. And on top of this, I have seen so much crappy content put out there just yeah. because of affiliates that I went, you know what? I get to choose who I work with. And this is not one of these things because there's something I didn't quite tell you. And it's something important. Tell when me. I got started in SEO, I was a black hat. Oh, not so my what, choice. What are some of the things you were doing? So, um, I was paid to test all the spinning tools 
because oh. back in the day before GPT-3, you actually had to set up spinning tools that would yeah. create like um, 10 pieces of content that were like this, this different by percentage to the other thing that you had created. Because yeah, my husband day, used to do a lot of that. <laughs> yes. And like you realize that what you're doing is producing crap content, but you also are kind of proud because yeah, that those regular expressions to code that thing, like you're like, yes, this is the option and this can happen. It's, and like so and it's, it's ranking. Yes. Yes. And and you're like, okay, well this there's this press release that I can submit to a directory. And I know this sounds horrible today. It sounded just as bad back then, but back then everyone was doing it. So Yeah, exactly. And when when I got uh, to a comfortable financial place, I promised myself that, hey, I'm never going back to that. I don't feel like this is the right way to do SEO. From a technical standpoint, there were so many fun things you could do with JavaScript. There were so many things you could do with content generation. But it didn't feel comfortable to me and it didn't feel sustainable. I was like, okay, so this ranks. We're, we're at the race to the bottom of producing crap. And it's working now, but it may not be working like tomorrow. And yeah, absolutely. The value? And, and so I love the fact that I chose very early on to have certain standards and, an, well, some ethics, but that were my own. Just me as a customer, I wouldn't enjoy this. So this led me to have a really, really nice career because I got to choose who I was working with after that. Like it was it was automatic for me. I would never, ever take an SEO job saying, well, it, it will allow me to pay the bills. No, I always love the challenge. I always ask myself, how is this going to help my career? Like, how is this going to help me get to what, wherever I, else I want to go? You know, like, you know how some people, they're just happy to do SEO and they don't necessarily evolve and they stay like yeah. that one in-house client. Yeah, I'm not that person. Me too. So another similarity between I us. think so. Yeah, yeah. And can you like share some career tips? Because I, I'm pretty sure like career productivity, like everything around that, I'm pre pretty sure you have a ton of them to share. I have a ton of them. But if I were to talk about real tips for juniors and intermediates and senior folks who are wondering what's going on, I first must ask you, should I censor myself or can I swear? You can swear. Okay. So totally. if, if you are a woman in SEO and you feel like you have imposter syndrome or you don't call it that because you genuinely think that people who are loud and use a lot of words you may not have heard about are better than you. Um, no, no, none of that. Okay. Number one, my first rule is lie, bitch, lie. Because very often the one person you're lying to is yourself. Everyone else sees that you are competent. Everyone else sees that you're doing a good job. Okay. So that's the first tip. And I learned that okay. because I felt, no, because I felt so unprepared and like, I didn't know enough things and I kept getting more and more and more technical. And then one day I looked up and I realized I was terrifying developers with my knowledge. And that's when I realized I'm done with, with other SEOs making me feel bad. Like, I'm good. I'm, I'm gosh darn good. So that's the first tip. The second one, and like I said, this is me giving tips. I am not an authority on anything. I am not your mom. I'm not your teacher. I'm not part of the SEO union. 
Um, there is no union, but um, there should be. Uh, okay. so the other thing is your employers may not invest in you. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't invest in yourself. Okay, so what does this look like concretely? Well, for the bosses who do pay for Olga's services, my services, like that's super nice. For those of them who even buy, like there's a great Udemy course to learn SEO by um, Mark uh, from the Candor Agency. It's super affordable, so go for it. All I'm trying to say is if you're not even allowed to buy a Udemy course to do on your own time, your employer is not investing in you and your knowledge. Like you're just here to fill a need and that's it. And you will get cycled out when you burn out. They are not there to hold your hand. So please invest in your own career, invest in your own knowledge, never, ever stay static. So what I have as a habit, and that's just a bare minimum. Okay. What I have as a habit, when I used to work in house or at an agency is you take at least one hour a week to learn something important you don't feel bad you don't do it on your own time late at night at home this is not some voluntary volunteering stuff this is not you changing the world you take this on paid time okay and you learn something every week and if people don't allow you to do this because they stop by your desk all the time here's a little tip I need you to go to, if you have two screens, it's better. If you have one screen, you have to be a bit fast with it. But I have one if, very huge one. Oh, you may not be able to do this, but I had two screens back then. What uh -huh. I used to do is in, in the screen that everybody saw, I would go on Wikipedia and I would do control U or, you know, like right click, mm -hmm. inspect, show, like show the source code show something that looks important. And that Wikipedia code, it looks scary to anyone who doesn't really code. And to developers, it screams, leave me alone. I'm doing some coding stuff. I need to focus. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden, people leave you alone and you actually get to do stuff. So what I would do is load up the course in my ears and start taking notes. And that's how my hours was spent in peace. And people kept telling me, wow, you've been working on a lot of code lately. Like every Friday I see you. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is a very similar thing I've been doing when I was at the agency. I was like, I kept having my headphones because without them, like people, I was hearing people talk. And yeah, I had one thing on one screen and the other. Yeah, usually Google stuff. Yeah. Yes. And... I have a third tip that I wish I knew a long, long time ago. You need to find your tribe. So the SEO community attracts really nice folks and some not so nice folks. Okay. And when I'm talking about not so nice folks, it's on different levels. So you have to find people that are willing to warn you, hey, Maybe if you go to a conference, make sure you never stay alone with this one person. They will ask you to go back to their hotel room and they don't take no for an answer. So this is important. Mm -hmm. Like if you're young, you have to, to find people that will help you care for yourself. The other element is you have to find your tribe of people who think like you. Not everyone does SEO the way you do. Not everyone thinks that the way you do SEO is right. People tend to fight each other over this, which I find a bit ridiculous, but to each his own, their own, her own. But 
you need to find people that you trust and that you can always exchange with. Because I know, for example, if I'm going to have some weird JavaScript issue that I probably haven't heard about, I have five people that pop up right away in my head that I can ask, including Olga. So this makes you feel less alone. Like you don't yeah. feel like you suck. You get to exchange with other people. And for example, most people don't know this, but they're starting to learn. I'm an image optimization nerd. Like I know this super well to the point that a company specialized in image optimization hired me a few years back. Okay. So I'm the type of person you'll go to if you have like specific image questions. I'm also the person that um, <clears throat> uh, a few of my UX friends will go to going, hey, Google said this and we're not comfortable. Can you help? Like you, you find your spot where you get to exchange with people. And you feel like you're part of something instead of trying to play catch up with all the cool new articles that are coming out nonstop that make you feel like you're not doing enough. If you have your little group, you'll be fine. Okay. Okay. That's like three cool tips. What are some of the things you can like recommend not doing? Like, let's flip this. Mm -hmm. So avoiding. <clears throat> Except for I, knowing uh, who to like be uh, aware of when it comes to like SEO conferences. Yeah, I, I, I got you. I got you. So number one, please don't implement something that you don't fully understand just because you think it's going to do something. No, you're not doing SEO like you're baking a cake out of a box, okay? You actually have to take the time to understand why putting the, the cake ingredients together and why heating them up at that temperature is going to get that chemical reaction that makes it fluffy. You have to know that gluten has a tendency to make stuff fluffy, okay? You have to know why there's an egg in there. In the box, it doesn't even matter. There's no need for an egg. They just want you to feel good about yourself that you baked. You know, this is important because if you don't know that most of the time the egg is not needed, you will think, oh, my recipe is going to be wasted. Same for SEO. No, you have to know how these things work. And it doesn't mean that you have to know perfectly how they work, but you have to have some understanding because if it messes up or if it works well, you won't be able to explain why. Yeah. And you'll keep living in fear. So don't do the... Okay, well, Neil Patel said that it works, so I'm going to do it. No, if Neil Patel says that it works, it's most likely been overdone and you will be wondering why it worked for Neil, but not for you. So please don't go blindly into implementing SEO stuff. Second thing you should not do, do not do all the things. Okay, do not attempt to do all the things. Do not feel bad if you haven't done all the things. SEO is all about prioritization. So you have to get an understanding, you know, hey, if I do this, what's the likelihood that it's going to move the needle? How much money is it going to cost? Are they going to let me ask them to do something again? Because sometimes people give you a chance and then they don't give you a second one. So do yeah. not get on people's nerves asking them to do everything for SEO. And then like I spent like an entire weekend doing this and then you're like, oh, thanks. And then you do nothing with it. No, people will hate you. So okay. there's two. And the third one would be um, get comfortable um, not using SEO tools sometimes. So let me explain. So the third, the third tip I would say is um, don't rely on one SEO tool um, for the rest of your days. Try quite a few other ones out there to understand how they work, to understand what their differences are, and to find the perfect tech stack that works for you like what do you use what do you like i always like to try new 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 stuff so right now i'm excited because there's this tool that enables me to create mind maps but 
mind maps based on keyword keywords that have volume and difficulty in them and I can organize them and show to my client why I'm organizing the site this way fun awesome so what I'm trying to say when I say hey don't do this if you get too used to one tool and then you go into another agency or with another client and they don't use that are you going to force them to buy it yeah exactly so please don't rely on tools in a way that prohibits you from learning more from other ones yeah so don't just use ahrefs use semrush use systrix no all of them not all of them but like yes like like there's some things that you there's some things that i prefer in ahrefs there's some things that i absolutely love in semrush that can't be replaced there's some stuff yeah, and there's some stuff that I absolutely adore in Serbstat. So I, I just have like a parentheses about this. Um, I love to explain to people that for me, Serbstat is fun, but not for the reason they think. Like the team is super nice and I, I really appreciate them. And they're a great Ukrainian tool you can support, but they are pessimists at heart. So their search volumes are always lower than SEMrush. Uh-huh. And this makes me feel good because I'm like, you're not selling me a dream. I actually know the harsh realities. And if I do end up getting even more traffic than I planned with this, I ain't mad. Like, I have my expectations set. Like, this is good. This is helping me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and how do you, how much do you learn on a weekly basis? And what resources do you use for learning new things? So I learn every week. Every week I learn. So I'm in this unique position and I always made sure I was in this unique position no matter what, even in other jobs. Let me explain why. As a trainer, if I have a team of developers that go, hey, we want you to give us a training that's custom and we use Nux.js. Off I go into the rabbit hole of learning everything I didn't know about Nux.js. Doesn't matter. I put down what I already know. But since I'm teaching someone else, I better be the best one out there for this. Obviously, I'm going to learn. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a lazy trainer. Like, I don't create decks that I'm going to leave and tweak a little bit. I like to go down those rabbit holes, like, every week. I know that last week I was, like, I read a 521-page guide on image optimization just because I wasn't sure that I oh. knew everything I knew. Like, I was, like, I want to learn new things. So I... I learn constantly, and this is an amazing currency for me. People pay for this knowledge. People pay for this. Like, I found a way to monetize me being interested in stuff. So it goes back to my advice, huh, Olga? Like, everyone should spend at least one hour a week minimum learning something new if you want to thrive in SEO. Yeah, and how many hours is it for you? Like, of course, more or less. yeah like I have a fiddly board that is like labeled and I have different feeds and everything is organized and I'm really really yeah I'm really hardcore about this I'm very very nerdy about it because I had I had like this fear that I wouldn't be good enough so I wanted to be good at all the things now I'm getting better at it so now I, I I appreciate the fact that I can't know everything and that I don't have to stress out about it like I'm I'm good. However, however, even if you do an audit, you will find this like one weird thing about Core Web Vitals and you're like, hmm, this is not behaving properly and you're going to go down that rabbit hole. 
you are auditing, but you are also learning. So that's that's another opportunity, and I don't factor it in in my learning phase. It's just part of my job. Yeah, 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 definitely. And can you can you share a few details about your auditing process? I'm very curious to to learn. Yes. Yeah, so 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 um. Somebody actually paid to sit next to me and watch me work. And it was the most uncomfortable experience of my oh. life. Because, okay. yeah, I, I, I saw you go. Because when you start an audit, the first thing I do is like, look at the website. Like I'm just like taking a stroll. I look at stuff. Yeah, I, I, yes. You, and you can't explain this thing. It, it feels like we're kind of like Googlebot. We have our own obscure way of doing things like we have internal algorithms that dictate this is the step this is the step but if you have to explain it to someone it will sound very good and very academic but in your head it's not it's a very creative process so one of the things I like to start doing is like site operator so site colon and the domain just to see is that weird stuff what have you been hiding it's my, if I were to describe my auditing style, it would be like I come into your house, I shake your hand, and then I go open your fridge and I look behind the yeah. stuff to see what, what you left behind. Exactly. And then like, yeah, and I'll go like in the bathroom, open the me- medicine cabinet going, mm-hmm, this house is really clean, but what's going on? Yeah, this is this is the vibe. And I will always find weird stuff. So for me, what's important is making sure that, yes, I satisfy the checklist that I have. Like there's certain, there's an organization for me where I will explain like the basic stuff. Hey, is your, what are the huge indexation hurdles, for example? Hey, next step, what is another big problem for you? Next step. And then I will go like content wise, what's happening, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's a process for each type of website too, but um, it's a mix of, the checklist so you make sure you you don't lose anything knowing either the technology or the cms so for example if i have to do a shopify audit i are i will have a section in my audit that says like shopify specific technical problems it's not just regular technical Mm -hmm. problems it's like me telling you i know shopify does this so i'm checking against this because this this you need to fix i already know so um i will do that or um, sometimes like um, when, when you go through this, so you have the checklist, you have the, your experience overlay, just because you know these things or you uncover them. And then there's the portion that is up to serendipity. Like you will just go down rabbit holes because you keep finding weird things that don't make sense. If it doesn't make sense, you have to follow it and figure out why it's happening. And this is usually like the toss up where you're like, and then there's this one more thing. And then there's this one more thing. And then yeah. there's this one more thing. So I, I think I described something in a very abstract manner. And somebody who's listening to this is probably going, oh, you're not giving me the answer I want. I want like a clear step-by-step thing that I can do. And I'm so tired of people talking about abstract stuff. Okay, I get it. I used to be you. But trust me, we all have our own style. And if you're trying to follow someone else's audit checklist... And if you're trying to follow someone else's audit template, you won't feel comfortable 100%. You will feel the need to like change it a little bit yeah. or like, this is not how I would do it. So an SEO audit is part following best practices, part experience, like knowing what's going to come up and part 
let yourself explore the website you do you're not on a timer per se you are not there's no right way to do this there's trust your own process and figure out what works for you what you like to show and then improve this by checking out other people's stuff don't you start with a template that you're going to probably modify it will become your own after a while and then you'll build upon it and pick some stuff yeah and it's it's important for me to say as well the audit process it changes and it evolves with time so for example the audits I used to do 10 years ago, 15 years ago, don't look the same. Yeah. And some clients, you really need to educate them. So you need to explain why this matters and like dress it up. If you're doing an audit for another SEO, you do none of that. <laughs> Just yeah. go along. So that's exactly. different. And there's different flavors of audits too. So when you say, how do you do an audit? I want to tell you, there's so many different audits that I do. Like, what about you? What kind of audits do you sell? Like. What do people buy? So I mostly do in-depth, like entire site audit that contains technical stuff, content stuff, like everything there is to it, including backlinks. I also have like purely technical audit. I also do link audits, EAT audits. I also, I think, sold a bunch of Google product reviews, audits. So yeah, a ton of possibilities. How about you? same thing but I even get nerdier than this in the sense that there's some clients that already bought an audit they implemented everything and they're like we don't know what else to do I'm like listen if you want me to improve someone else's audit I'm not going to do that however I will check it out and either you redo a new audit with me or I can tell you which bits are missing so for example I'll do internal linking audits because sometimes the client has done everything yeah we agree and I will do also core web vital deep dives So that's very important for me to explain that. I will also check certain things. So for example, when I do, um, there's a service I offer that's called a competitive benchmark. And it's it's everything you talked about. Like, you know, like we check backlinks, we check content, but it's presented in a way like, here's what your competition is doing with success. So instead of saying, your competitor competitor A has gotten this many links. I'm like, here are the trends and topics that work well with journalists based on your competitor. And by the way, most of their backlinks, 30% are like .edu. So that's a, a good example. Yeah. I'm going to take a, a tangent. But I had an e-commerce website where the competition had a lot of .edu backlinks. Like it was incredible. Mm-hmm. So... Normally, what do you do in a, in a backlink audit? You're like, competitors have this content that is highly linked. They have a lot of, of .edu stuff. You should get .edu stuff. That's it. You kind of stop there. Well, for me, I actually dug in and I was like, okay, so why? Like, I'm like, where is this coming from? And then they're like, student offers. I'm like, why would student offers point to an e-commerce store? I'm not a student. Yeah. That's why I didn't know, huh? I clicked and I was like, oh, of course, I forgot. Students don't necessarily have all the means, but companies love them and they give them discounts. I'm like, I write to the client, you need a student discount program. (laughs) So, you know, like it's it's nice to do these things. So like you get to zoom in and sell your own stuff. Mm -hmm. And another another thing that I would add to all of these is you you have reasons why you do audits and you have depth. So, for example, if I have a small website coming to me saying, I need an audit, 
I'm like, you can't afford my price. I have a minimum price of full in-depth audits. However, if you allow me to do my own thing where I record myself for an hour or 30 minutes, depending, I don't guarantee you one hour or 30 minutes is between 30 minutes and one hour. I will go through your website and I will list all the things that I find that I find important. And this is actionable and you can take it and go with it. And this is so much cheaper than, you know, building the whole audit. You get to show the things, but you don't have to like copy paste, yeah, dead, yeah. et cetera. So this is also something that I call an ultralight audit. Like you, you would not get this out of SEMrush. You would not get this out of a big agency because neither offer this. Mates, like the middle ground, let's have fun. So you can go in depth, say, hey, I can do a light, I can do medium, or I can do like full out. You give me two weeks, I go off in the desert and I come back with everything. Like it depends. Oh, it depends. Awesome. It, and, it uh, <laughs> and another thing I would recommend is that you also figure out the maturity of the clients. So your audit mm -hmm. is not going to be the same for a company that is used to having yearly audits and a company that is doing this for the first time. So figure out where your client is at to you know like know what you keep what you get out of that and bottom line is there's lots of audits out there there's lots of reasons why these audits are happening if your client has a big traffic drop does he care or does she care do they care about oh but your meta titles no there's like this huge gap in their traffic they need to fix this that's what they care about don't show them the whole rest their yeah. focus their the audit should answer that question like what what happened so figure out why they're asking you to do the audit and your methodology will evolve yeah yeah exactly like one of the first things i always like like the first section of of my audit is always the purpose of this audit like yes is it to yes just like look for quick wins is it to just look for errors or is it to assess a traffic drop for example so and this is something that most um juniors are not going to understand you need that slide here's why this audit will travel within the company and these people don't know why you were paid to do this they don't re they don't know or they don't remember because two years later somebody else inherits your audit and goes yeah. huh that's that's the work that's been done so you need to future proof your audit yeah. to bring maximum value yeah yeah 100 percent. so now a more personal question what does your day look like a normal Ooh. day so this is an unusual one for me because it depends on where i am let me explain uh -huh. um okay. a usual day when i have uh when i'm mainly working with canadian clients my day starts at two in the afternoon Mm -hmm. Like that's it. So in the morning, I will go live my life. I'm having lunch maybe outside with some friends. I will most likely watch a video from Brighton SEO's vault, for example, if I want to learn something in SEO, like 20 minutes and I'm like the queen of whatever. And then I get started with my real day. But my real day is almost nonstop. It's uh -huh. not a day. Like most people would have a day where you work and you have a few meetings during the day, maybe two or three max. No, my days are back to back because remember, I'm a trainer. So I will have some days where I'm booked the entire day teaching a team remotely. Some days it's two sessions and maybe I have some consultation work where people just show up and they ask me questions. Like I don't even prepare anything. They just want my brain. That's it. Uh -huh. And 
I don't have typical days like most people do because yes I work on different hours I work on different things but I do have to say that uh, my most typical day is Mondays I refuse meetings on Mondays uh -huh. and I empty my inbox I just answer everyone oh. on Mondays like yeah so this this is also important because otherwise you can't focus right like if you're always checking your inbox because I see you agency people. I used to check my inbox like every 10 minutes and be stressed. No, I can't afford to do that anymore. I will answer throughout the week, but Monday is like the big get things off of my plate because the rest of the week I'm teaching. What about you? What's yeah, a typical day like? So for me, they are quite, I would say, similar except for Mondays. On Mondays, I do news, SEO news. I write the newsletter. If I have enough time, I also record the weekly recap of SEO news. So I try to learn on Mondays. The rest of the days, I I do some work on my, on my website, some podcast and client work. And this is usually with a break in between for, for a workout. And and I try to do only my own stuff on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays, meaning I only learn, watch YouTube, watch some, listen to podcasts, read something and do my podcast because it has been taking me so much time in YouTube. But sometimes I don't manage to do what I planned over the week and I don't have to do it on Saturday. And I always don't have time to answer emails. So this is like the biggest issue for me to to catch up Same. with emails. Same. And I wish I could not work on Saturday or Sunday, but I, I have to. My brain is like, now is the prime time for you to create your conference slides. Like, yes, let's go. And I'm like, no brain, I would really enjoy looking at like dog videos on YouTube. And my brain is like, but no, we will be reading articles today. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah, when I finish like working... For example, it is Saturday afternoon and then, okay, so now it's time to watch like, for example, Google SEO office hours <laughs> questions or something like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah I totally, totally can, can relate to that. And um, who do you think in the SEO community we should be following? Can you, can you give some shout outs? Oh. Yes, I can actually. Um, I'm normally... Uh, I know that when I used to see these elements, like, you know, you, you will watch a podcast, you will listen to a podcast, watch a, um, a webinar thing, and then people name other people. And you're like, oh, one day I wish I could be in that list. And then now I'm like, okay, who can I give some visibility to? So like, I don't feel weird about it anymore. Um, there's a fellow trainer that not everyone necessarily knows. And she's a riot, um, Billy Gina. So she works at Salt Agency. She's uh -huh. training the teams there. She builds like uh -huh. the, the, the whole um, training portion of that company is handled by Billy. Oh. Um, yeah. I if heard about her. Really? Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. She's really, really funny. And she's a fellow ADHD SEO. Oh. Um, I, I would also recommend, um, well, there's actually quite a few folks, but um. If you want to know more about the editing side of SEO, um, George from uh, Wix, so uh, George Nguyen is the Wix editor for the Content Hub, and he does an amazing job. I would also recommend um, Gianna, so um, Gianna Tretzkwawa, oh, I can never pronounce their last name, and Braketti. 
Um, they are the DeepL SEO manager. And if you have any like heavy duty, big, hairy, complicated technical issues, Gianna is the one human you should okay. turn to. They've probably seen it all. Um, and, uh, oh, oh, I should have come prepared. Okay. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, but now I'm only talking about technical folks, but it makes sense right now. If you don't know Dave Smart, you absolutely should. You absolutely should. Dave is genuinely, you know, very smart. And um, he's a developer who decided to thankfully uh, get on the SEO side. And he understands a lot of things about how bots behave. And last mm -hmm. but not least, this is, a, this is an unusual one because I have to recommend someone from the Google team. Sure. Yeah. And you would expect maybe Martin Split because JS SEO, but no, Lizzie Sassman has been saving our lives for the past five, six years, improving the Google documentation. So mm -hmm. if you've ever felt like, ah, finally, the answer is there. Like, yeah. I'm so glad that they updated. Yeah, this is Lizzie, Olga. Like, Lizzie is amazing. And she's she's on the the search off the record podcast, right? Like I know that some folks are aware of her because of that, but no, yeah. she's the person behind the documentation. And if you have a problem, do not hesitate to go at the bottom and yeah. click fit feedback. If you fill out that form, Lizzie is the one reading you and making improvements. Okay. There's a genuine human being listening to you and wanting to improve things. Yeah, that's that's a great, 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 great recommendation. So I will link all those people. And fortunately, I knew all of them. So, <laughs> so yeah. So any final thoughts, tips, insights? Um, I have too many to count. And after a while, like this will happen to you as well. If mm -hmm. you find yourself starting to sound like me or you, Olga, like, there's so much I could be saying, then um, congratulations, you have reached the cruising altitude of SEO. Okay, okay, I'll be waiting for that moment, because I, I, I think I'm still not not there yet, but yeah, maybe <laughs> soon. <laughs> One day you will realize you've been there for a while. Okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, how do I pronounce your name correctly in French? It's not Miriam, but... Miriam Gessier. Miriam. Miriam. Oui. Oui. Okay. Miriam. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being here with me and sharing your knowledge. You know so much. You shared so many tips. I have learned a ton. So thanks so much for being here with me. I have one more thing to say on this podcast. Um, Olga, I've been following you before I got to actually know you as a human being. Oh. And I've been lurking your site for quite a while and being envious of everything. So just oh. so you know, you may not feel like you're already there. But to me, you have been there for a while. Oh, so thank you. Thank you. It's very, very nice to hear. So, so thanks, everyone. And I hope to have a follow up with Miriam very soon. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.